Welcome to the latest episode of the CIM podcast, brought to you in association with Zyra Fisher. We're recording live from Eurobike, um, so there's plenty of interest surrounding access uh, and, and plenty more. So Alex, can you lead us in on uh, what's catching people's eye here at the show? Yeah, so SRAM access and uh, RockShox Reverb access is probably our most exciting and, and, and biggest draw at the moment, huge conversation pieces, you know, people coming in and just excited to see, you know, real electronic integration of components where, you know, you get rid of the, the wires and, you know, all of that kind of clutter, if you will, on the bike. You know, people coming in, interacting with the, the booth, the, the equipment that we've got on display, you know, getting hands on with like looking how it shifts and feeling that, you know, that difference in that new technology. That's, that's a really exciting one for us. Um, you know, we've got a full team here that are, you know, continually asking questions on, you know, what are the user benefits and, you know, how does the technology work? Um, so that's, yeah, that's great. You know, it's, it's pretty exciting to see for sure. Yeah, so lots of button pushing on the stand then. Lots of button pushing, yeah, we're <laughs> poking poke the bear, button pushing. Yeah, we've, uh, we've got a couple of really cool interactive displays actually this year where, you know, imagine, uh, you know, a drivetrain set up and there's a, a part of a handlebar that's kind of to- totally detached from that drivetrain and, you, you know, you've got this drivetrain that's uh, working on a, on a motor as such into a box below. So it just looks like a floating drivetrain, but you can, the user can just go up and flick up and down the gears, see that instantaneous um, shifting and, and movement, which is pretty sweet. That's great. Yeah. And how long does a, a product like Access take from the drawing board to production? There, there must be a few... Uh Traditionally, we've used cables. Now, now that's fading away. What ha- what goes into a yeah? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, so quite a big question, I guess. Um, you know, I'll answer that in two ways. First off, a, like a standard product, let's call it, and then perhaps look at access as a different uh, as, a, as a different scope to that one, just because of the you know the size and the scale of the of the project. So, as a standard product, be it a um, you know, a set of brakes or a you know, perhaps a, a new mechanical drivetrain. Um, we typically look at from ideas, development, innovation, prototyping to building a concept to having something that works, to testing it, to going back to you know that cycle of a, a product life cycle to bringing it to market. Typically, is about two years mm-hmm. at, at least, really. Um, that would be for kind of standard across the board. So we're already, you know, right now, for example, we're working on the products that we will see on the shelves in two years' time, you know, and that's a, a big part of our engineers, you know, the, the, the hundreds of engineers that we have workload. Um, whereas Access, though, Access goes way deeper than that, to be honest. Like, Access was, Access just, you know, for those out there listening, is um, Access is our electronic Group, how our electronic components communicate with each other. It's the umbrella of which all of those products sit underneath, be it SRAM Eagle Access Drivetrain, RockShox Reverb Access, or SRAM Red ETAP Access uh, on the roadside. They all communicate on the same platform now. Um, so Access is this, um, you know, this management system, this communication that they, they all talk to each other through. So. There's an added complexity in terms of product development, for sure, because we had to hire a lot of electronic engineers and developers and testers. Um, but to go back, yeah, access was in terms of wireless electronic shifting was being for the mountain bike was being designed originally 
about the same time as we first launched One by Drivetrains, so about six years ago. Um, so it went through a lot of design phases and innovation. We have prototypes of the product um, that uh, are written and tested. Actually, I believe, you know, four years ago, uh, Kulhavi, cross-country racer, he was riding the mountain bike, what we now know as the Eagle Access drivetrain, uh, in a race. It wasn't seen, thankfully. <laughs> but, um, um, but it went through, yeah, originally, one by on 11 speed, and then when we developed Eagle, uh, Eagle group sets, which we, you know, 12 speed, uh, 10, 50 range cassettes. Access was obviously then needed to develop into that and with that development, so it was kind of re-engineered for, for that element. Um, went through a huge amount of design, testing, innovation, redevelopment. You know, and you, when you add electronic shifting to, to anything, well, be it on the roadside, there are different demands on the roadside, right? On, you're not expecting to wax stuff off rocks, for example on a road bike, hopefully not anyway. Yeah. Um, but it is a somewhat, well, it's a way higher risk that you know you, you bin it on your mountain bike or you smash, you, you tag, a, tag something on a, you know, on a rock accidentally because you're not quite you know, getting the bike into the right line. So we, need, we realize that on putting a battery, a motor and a gearbox in a derailleur to make it shift, there's a lot of complexity there we, and for that complexity in engineering, you need to provide some protection. So one of the big steps we took, and we took a, a lot of design, innovation, and testing, was developing the overdrive clutch. Um, the overdrive clutch is a mechanism, it's a second clutch on the, the derailleur. First one being chain retention, uh, the second one being this overdrive clutch. And when you impact access from the side, the derailleur will slip on a clutch and move out of the way. and then. You know, less than a quarter of a second later, it'll initiate the gearbox and back into place. So it's back in the gear that you were in after that impact, so it protects itself basically. So in answer to your question, long time. <laughs> it's a good six year project to bring access to life. Um, and that's because we, you know, we learned a huge amount on the road to discovering what we could bring to market with a product like SRAM Eagle Access. Uh, and it took on board everything that had come from the road team um, on you know, SRAM Red, ETAP, and everything we'd learned in mountain biking in terms of what capacity and what durability constraints and performance requirements that we would need um, in order to deliver a product that's truly you know, something different, truly something that provides a better user experience than anything that we've ever been able to deliver before. So. It's a long way of telling you, it's, it's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the the know-how from those electronics engineers that you've hired, um, like maybe you've hired them from outside the bike industry and, and maybe they bring new ideas as to how they can affect other components going forwards. Is, is there any scope for that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we actively recruit outside, you know, in, in for, for engineers of, of all types and, and uh, all types of um, specialist areas and some of those engineers come from automotive companies some of them come from aeronautical companies um, some of them super talented guys straight out of university after you know delivering a thesis on something that would just blow your mind in terms of like what would be possible in the future for electronic circuits for example um, and each and every one of those engineers in the design team is intrinsic to 
delivering future product. You know, they, we have a team, in fact, that entirely specializes on advanced development, for example. You know, those are a, a, group, of, a group of extremely talented engineers that, that work on several projects at the same time, come up with great ideas, come up with new solutions, come up with things that would just, you know, sometimes when I see them, they blow my mind, like truly blow my mind. Um, not all of them come to market, you know, because some of them it's like, okay, this is really cool, this is, this is suitable for this person and that person, but is it a product that is really needed in, in the marketplace? And, you know, SRAM's a company that we definitely are progressive, I would argue, on in terms of the products that are designed and delivered to market at the forefront of technologies and cool stuff and, and, and adding value to that user experience. But we're also market driven in terms, and what I mean by that is our, our big customers, let's, let's call them, like the, the Specialized and the Giant, Trek and Santa Cruz, you know, they are extremely talented um, design engineers themselves and they're asking for new ideas and new concepts and new way of making something for their bikes to work better, to again deliver a better user experience. So, um, yeah, in, in hiring new people and, and pulling in, creating a bigger talent pool is, is definitely something that adds a lot of value to the way that we innovate, design, improve, uh, and continually, hopefully, inspire people to get out and, and play on bikes more. Think, things like access perhaps get the, uh, the limelight um, for segments, but particularly here at Eurobike, we we're seeing a a trend towards um, different forms of mobility. Uh, does this technology apply to, to maybe SRAM's urban? Um, any, any business there at all? Um, yeah, I mean, we make bicycle components yeah. for, for, for bikes, okay? So everyone out there that designs any type of bike, um, be that for uh, urban types of bikes or persons with um, disabilities that want to do, you know, use different tools for the job, of course we would want to provide a product that meets their needs. Mm. You know, we, we do have products out there definitely that um, I think add some value to be it urban bikes or um, I think the portfolio of products that we have is pretty, you know, it's pretty it's wide and varied um, for sure. And we, but we're a, a company that has, I think, a such a passion for cycling and, and design and innovation mm. and development that when those needs are there and when people approach us, everything's considered for sure. And, and so for the bike retailers, access aside, are there any um, areas to focus on, be it new products or things that the mechanics may want to know for the season ahead? Access aside, yeah, I mean, you know, we're a, as a component manufacturer, we we make a, a, a wide range of products. We've got Rock Shocks, we've got SRAM, Escubative, uh, Quark. So, um, right now, we we with the amount of product depth that is out there, I feel that the understanding of what products we have, be it brakes or suspension, there's a, such a great understanding in the consumer landscape and also the, the industry landscape, bike shops, technicians, uh, mechanics, at understanding our product and being able to, to work on them, to service them, to you know, do whatever needs to happen. I, 
I think one of our objectives, or I believe one of our objectives as product development is to make components that are also you know, easy to service, easy to maintain, easy to adjust and fit. Um, so, yeah, the, I'd say that's, you know, we, across the board and all of our products, you know, there's, there's interesting things happening there. All right. And are we seeing any um, trickle down over the, over the years? This is, this is um, something, as we've gone through 11 and 12 speed, it's gone lower and lower down through the range. What, what sort of value can we get out of the low, mid and high ends of the SRAM's portfolio? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, if you're looking at our product portfolio, let's say for, um, for Eagle, for mechanical Eagle drivetrains, you know, we, we start off with the highest tier. And that's not because it's easiest to do that. It's because actually, if we think about all of the resources and energy that's required to bring a product to market, you, you know, you develop a product at its most, let's call it, um, highest precision, best, you know, best performing, should I say, uh, race ready, race proven level. So we start off with XX1 and X01 Eagle. And over the years, we, you know, we know that not everyone out there is going to buy a, a you know, a 3,000 pounds mountain bike, let alone a five or 6,000 pounds mountain bike. And when we deliver a drivetrain that on its own costs upwards of a thousand pounds it's difficult to spec that on a on a bike that let's say the average user maybe is riding so it's our objective and in our intentions to deliver that technology and that user benefits and be it in, in the same architecture of a product at a price point that's achievable for all people who want to get out and, and benefit from from riding bikes right so we saw shortly after x01 and xx1 um, Eagle, you get GX Eagle, and then we introduced NX Eagle, and now recently um, we introduced SX Eagle as an OE product. So again, the same architecture, cassettes, uh, different, different makeups in terms of how they're delivered. And, you know, in terms of the materials that are used and the finishes that are used, and uh, the way that they're you know joined together as such. Um, but definitely trickle down in terms of technology is an in intrinsic part of, of the business, being able to still deliver a product that performs, um, but at the price point that's required by the marketplace, by our customers, be, uh, you know, by the consumers on, uh, who, are, who are buying the product and, and coming into shops, but also by our customers that we're selling the product to for them to build, them to build bikes. And that's you know, the same across brakes. You know, we have our, for example, G, uh, code, uh, code RSC and code it's the top tier brake and then code R, which ultimately does the same thing. It looks architecturally very similar, but it has a few less features that allows us to bring that price point down to get it on bikes that, you know, there are more bums on seats. So. And on the OE side of the business, where are we seeing SRAM uh, in, on the 2020 models where we may not have seen it previously? What, what, what brands are carrying your product? Um, I'd say where delivering products that the consumer landscape and the our customer landscape are super excited about you know eagle for example it's eagle has has been a, a real success for sram i think the i think people resonate with the technology one by as a component 
uh, in bicycles, getting rid of a front derailleur, for example, as we all know, um, you know, SRAM kind of pushed for, it's something that's been, it's made bikes better, you know, bikes are less complex, you still have a wide range of gears, and you, um, I think you'd struggle to find a manufacturer, a frame manufacturer, without a SRAM drivetrain on it, let's say, mm. you know, so, um, I'd like to think that we, you know, in answer to your question, across, across the board, you know, there's, there's, there's strong demand for our brakes, there's, there's huge and strong demand for, for RockShox suspension products, uh, and, and equally so, you know, the, um, uh, SRAM Access and SRAM Eagle uh, components as well. Okay. I mean, in terms of, obviously, the RockShox side of things, with your rival tool Fox having released Live Valve last year, is that was something that you guys are looking at? For the future, in terms of electronically controlled suspension, in terms of e-bikes and also like regular sort of bikes, is that in the pipeline? We, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, we we hire a lot of really, really intelligent, talented engineers who are continually designing and coming up with these amazing ideas and new concepts of how to do things. We are always looking at new opportunities. If there's a need in the marketplace for people to be riding something as, as such a component, then it's definitely something that we're interested in. You know, we're a, we're a component manufacturer. We, you know, we love making cool stuff. We love getting people on bikes. We, you know, we're all inspired to ride ourselves. We're a company full of cyclists. So, um, continually improving, I would say. <laughs> and we, some may disagree, but you, you would argue that maybe the getting rid of the front derailleur was one of those improvements. Um, three years ago, you put out a, a eulogy, actually, to the front derailleur. Is there another eulogy coming for any other component on a bike? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, I'm not on my radar right now, let's say. Um, you know, for mountain biking, getting rid of the front derailleur was a was pretty much a no-brainer. You don't see many mountain bikes out there now with multiple ring setups. Some two ring setups on the front, um, but we're certainly not. Sorry about the noise. You can't German, escape this at Eurobike. It's all the German beer. Empty bottles been taken away. <laughs> Bike industry, just calm down on the beer drinking. But yeah, I you know I would go as far as saying getting rid of the front derailleur was as I say was a bit of a an, an essential development for us in order to free up some space to allow bike companies to deliver the suspension designs that they wanted to to you know remove complexity while still maintaining gear range you know and you've seen some of our competitors move towards doing the same thing right so we. Without a doubt, we're strong believers that that, that I think the consumer landscape and customers have proven that that was uh, the essential way that mountain bikes needed to go. Is that essential across the board for all types of bikes? Well, you know, we're, we're yet to see. I think it's I think it's key to give people options. You know, like you can if people choose to still buy two bike drive trains and mountain bikes, you can still buy those things. You know, but if you want the ultimate performance in terms of um, power, uh, sorry, in terms of weight, in terms of chain management, shifting, um, range that you need, Eagle drivetrains are the one for sure. Okay. And uh, in the UK, for bike shops looking to get hold of SRAM components, where do they go? 
bike shops getting all the SRAM components. Our UK distributor, uh, Zyra Fisher, super, super uh, amazing team that they have there. Um, those guys um, you know, continually amaze me with their efforts, uh, both in the, um, in the marketplace and the activities that they get up to, so they would be the, the, the main go-to distributor. Okay. We also have uh, Rally as a distributor in the UK as well for SRAM products. Good stuff. Well, thank you for taking the time out. Uh, um, everyone's very busy at Eurobike, so really thank you for taking the time out. Um, that was Alex Rafferty on the Cycling Industry News podcast for SRAM.